everyone. Thanks again for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, Marketing Program Manager and your host for this week's episode. For today's episode of Order Up, I'm excited to welcome Christine Hilmer, President and CEO of the Wisconsin Restaurant Association. Christine joins us to discuss the state of the restaurant industry within Wisconsin, how they've weathered a serious labor crisis as well as the pandemic, and where their recovery focus lies currently. Christine, thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. Let's go ahead and get started. For our first question to start us off, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about the Wisconsin Restaurant Association? Well, Carly, thank you for having me. I'd be delighted to talk about it. I'm Christine Hilmer, President and CEO of the Wisconsin Restaurant Association. I had the pleasure of being named to this position about three and a half years ago. So it's been a bit of a wild ride, as you can imagine. But the WRA, uh, we're composed of approximately 1,500 restaurant operators within the state of Wisconsin with 7,000 locations. Our makeup is about 75% of independent restaurateurs. You know, we certainly have some uh, national change in larger members within our state, but we're predominantly the small guys, a lot of little guys. And they may have one or two operations, but uh, for the most part, we're a state of a lot of independent restaurateurs. And it also helps that they're very active in the community and uh, they're active in the Wisconsin Restaurant Association. And I'm really blessed to be part of this group. That's great. Thanks for explaining that to us. We know the pandemic has posed some really serious challenges for restaurants all across the country. So can you tell us a bit about the impact that you've seen in Wisconsin? So the impact is not only been seen, but it's ongoing. Um, We just received our National Restaurant Association industry survey from our members and the future, at least the near term future is cloudy. So let's backtrack. Before the pandemic, we had a workforce crisis here in the state of Wisconsin. Our population growth is flat. So we know through our Department of Workforce Development that working age adults, um, there's not enough of them to fill jobs and new jobs as they come in. And then fast forward to the pandemic, we know that in our state, we lost 22% of our workforce. And I say lost because many of them took other openings. We know that manufacturing, healthcare and retail were other sectors who are still hiring. And so we lost a lot of our great hospitality workers to those sectors during the pandemic. And so many of them are permanently lost to us. Now, fast forward that as we are starting to recover, we know that restaurants are really having very difficult time. In fact, the, um, the survey information that I've just received said that 85% of our operators say that restaurants are currently at least 10% below necessary staffing levels. 41% say they are currently more than 20% below necessary staffing levels. And so as restaurateurs, you know that in order to recover and make up for the lost revenue that you that you weren't able to make during the pandemic, whether it was through closed indoor dining or partial opening capacity limits and whatnot, that when you're not able to open fully because you don't have the workers, uh, you're making some difficult decisions. And then also roll into that all the supply chain issues and the increase of pricing. And in order to attract any employees, your wages are going up. It's really problematic. So what a lot of Wisconsin restaurants are doing are really replicated across this country. And they're really having to make some difficult decisions. 
And all of that is hampering and causing that cloudy vision for the future. So many operators are choosing not to be open seven days a week, as an example. Monday is, at least in our state, is a day that's kind of hard to find a sit-down restaurant to go into. Um, And a lot of operators are choosing to be closed Sunday and Monday or Monday and Tuesday to give themselves and their staff a two-day window of break. We know that a lot of restaurants are also not open to the level that they they normally would be. So instead of being open lunch and dinner, they're just open dinner and they're modifying their hours. So instead of having dinner service open until 10 o'clock at night, they're now closing dinner service at eight or nine o'clock. And all of that is meant to help manage this workforce issue that we're having, that they're not able to find staff and they're also trying not to burn out their existing staff. So that's why I say it's cloudy. We also know through that same survey information that the business conditions have deteriorated in recent months. In fact, 38% of our operators say that conditions for the restaurant are worse now than they were three months ago. And so for a Northern state, we typically have uh, some, a lot of seasonality in our business. Um, and this is a broad statement. It's not necessarily a one-to-one. Everybody faces this. But for the most part in Wisconsin, you need to have a really successful late spring, summer, early fall in order to really survive during lean winter months. So we get a little bit of snow here in Wisconsin. It gets a little cold. So what that means is people don't necessarily go out to eat as much as they would normally during those nicer months. And because of the cold and the snow, outdoor dining isn't an option for at least three, if not six months of the year, depending upon where you are and what the weather's like, you know, every particular year. So without being able to fully open and fully be able to recoup some of those profits to carry them over the lean, I have a fear that we still are going to see some closings within the state of Wisconsin. We also know that the Restaurant Revitalization Fund was a critical lifeline for a lot of operations, not only here in Wisconsin, but nationally. But we also know, and and we are, um, we're tracking very similarly to the national statistics that only about one third of those restaurants that had a demonstrated need received the funding. And so two thirds did not. And just to remind folks that in order to even qualify for the RRF funds, they had to have sustained losses that were not covered by either the first or second round of the PPP. So these are losses. And it's not just everybody can apply for these dollars. And the $28.6 billion, although tremendous amount of money, we know that it's not nearly enough to cover. And so we're, we're faced with a lot of difficult decisions, as with every other state and every other restaurant, restaurant owner in this country, that if they can't get those funding, their ability to survive long-term is certainly um, not as sure as if it would be fully funded. Great. You talked quite a bit about workforce, and I know across the U.S. we are seeing some really big workforce challenges, particularly within the restaurant industry. So are there any resources or programs that you're implementing in Wisconsin to help with that challenge of recruiting and retaining the workforce? So we know that in order to be successful, you have to have employees. And probably the best thing that you can do is once you have them, 
How are you building your culture to retain them? That is such a critical thing that we are doing webinars, we're providing resources, both from uh, National Restaurant Association, but also some local things on how to help our operators become a preferred employer. So that not only will they retain the staff that they have and build that culture for that to happen, but then once you have that culture built and you're managing and you're sustaining it and you're growing it, how can you then attract other folks to come in? Because we also know in finding staff, one of the best ways to do that is referrals from your current staff. So if you've got current staff that are well-treated, feel like they're valued, they're likely to recommend your workplace as a place to go work versus uh, going to just any restaurants. So that's what we think is critical for our members to understand and really grapple with in building what their internal staff culture is to really retain and then attract because it's a great place to work. We're also doing an interesting study. We just, we're working with Cope College and this is a, a study specifically to Wisconsin, but I think it will have national implications to really look at Generation Z, to look and see what their impressions of the restaurant industry, and this is current. So I know the, the National Education Foundation did a study, I believe in 2016 or 2018 about Gen Z. This is an update post pandemic. What are their impressions of the restaurant industry? Where are they looking for jobs? What are they looking for as a workforce? Because Gen Z is such a critical piece of our current and our future workforce. Understanding them is going to be critical. We also know that they're coming in with uh, different values. And, and that's not a negative or a positive thing, but they're looking for different things. And fully understanding that is really what we're trying to get at to help our operators build that culture and build that place around what they feel is valuable as an employee. So stay tuned until we, we don't, we're just in the start of it. But once we get that research, I think it's going to be invaluable for us to help our operators, um, not only in Wisconsin, but nationally, understand this next generation that's just coming into the workforce because it's critical for us. Interested in learning more about the Economic Industry Disaster Loan Program, who's eligible and how to apply? Be sure to check out our recent webinar, available on demand, titled More Flexibility and Funds, New SBA Loan Options for Restaurants and Small Businesses. Aaron Frazier and representatives from the Small Business Administration discuss everything you need to know about IDLE. Find that webinar at www.restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Turning the tables a little bit toward policy, um, has Wisconsin seen any big policy wins lately? Um, how has your team worked to bring those things to fruition? So we've actually had quite a lot of success in 2021. Here in the state of Wisconsin in 2020, um, once the pandemic hit, our legislature was not in session, really didn't do any work after May. And so we were at a bit of a standstill. Now, since January 1, so these are wins since 2021. The first act that was passed and then signed by our governor was Act 1. And within that, 
was PPP business deductibility. So we've had that on the books since January. And fast forward, as, as we're talking about future initiatives, we are looking to also do that for RRF funds to make sure that that's treated the same way. It looks like it will be pretty successful. Of course, we have to finish our legislative process, but that PPP business deductibility was crucial. We also had Act 4 passed uh, right after that, and that include unemployment improvements and, and things to allow our, our great employees that were on employment to really be able to take advantage of those benefits. Within that, we also had uh, business liability protection. Now, of course, uh, and that has to do with COVID, that if you're doing what you need to do, you're hyper-sanitizing, you're distancing, and you are masking and so on, it provides you that liability protection so that a small business owner isn't going to necessarily be hauled into court for a frivolous lawsuit. Now, certainly if you're not practicing the safe conditions and you're not doing what you're supposed to do, the liability protection would not protect you. But for those that are doing everything they can and really following all the guidelines, we, we needed to give them protection. Fast forward to March, we had we were able to successfully get a vaccine priority for restaurant workers early in the year. Unfortunately, restaurant workers were specifically carved out from the food industry uh, for not having a vaccine priority, but we were able to successfully get that in March. Fast forward to April, we got cocktails to go past. So as some folks may know that Wisconsin has a little bit of a reputation of liking our old fashions and our beer. And so we were able to successfully get that cocktails to go past. And it's a permanent change within statutes. There's no, there's no time limitation. And basically you can have that great old fashioned, you can have that margarita. And as long as it's put into a sealed container that you can't just necessarily just pop your straw and go, it's a, it has to be a sealed container at the restaurant. And then you can take that and you can have that with your carryout items. Unfortunately, at this time, delivery is not included in that. That is an effort that we have been working on for the past couple of years, but now it's been accelerated. Now a little bit of headwinds on that, but delivery is absolutely on the docket of what we are looking at. We also had a, um, a very Wisconsin-specific bill and its electronic tip declaration. And, and very briefly, we had some attorneys trying to do a class action lawsuit that says that because in the state of Wisconsin, they want you to have a signed piece of paper, every single payroll that you're declaring your tips, that um, the POS systems didn't qualify for that, even though it's been in practice both federally and at the state for decades. And you have a neat qualifier for an individual employee to sign in, declare their tips, and it's specific to them. We had some uh, trolling attorneys trying to sue businesses and not necessarily to the benefit of that employee, but they just wanted to settle and they wanted money. It was a big dollar grab. So we got that fixed, which was a huge win for us. It's something that we have been working on pre-pandemic. And because the legislature did not finish their work, our session ended in December. We had to start all over again, but we quickly got that through. And then in May, we did reinstate the unemployment insurance work search requirement. And then we were one of the states that did not end the federal benefits early, but that, of course, right around Labor Day, um, federally went away. So lots of stuff. You know, the fact that we've had one, two, three, four, five bills passed within uh, the first four months of the year 
was huge. I don't think we've ever had that much successful activity um, ever. But we also know that we do have a lot of legislators as well as the governor understanding um, the vast impact on the industry. So we're thankful that we've been this successful thus far. A big kudos to you and your team for all that great success. So what's next for you and the Wisconsin Restaurant Association? Um, What other initiatives is your team working toward right now? So there's a number of things that I've already alluded to, but I'll I'll revisit. So we we know federally we are working with our colleagues around other um, state restaurant associations as well as the National Restaurant Association to get the funding, fully funding of the RRF. It is critical for us. Um, So we're working on that. And then internally for the state, we are working on that tax deductibility so that RRF funds are treated the same as PPP funds, that they're fully deducted and any expenses that are included in it does not create an unintended tax on a business. We also are working on that delivery of alcohol issue that I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago to be able to deliver We have some opposition in our state to doing that, but we also know that the trends are that this is what consumers are demanding. They want a six pack of beer with their pizza. They want a bottle of wine with their delivered Italian dinner. And so we want to be able to position our members so that they can provide what consumers are demanding. So got some headwinds, but we'll have to see on that one, see what happens. Other things that we're working on are really looking at the taxability of credit card swipe fees on taxes that are collected by businesses. So this is not just restaurants, it's any businesses. So we're required, as most businesses are, to collect those taxes on behalf of the government. And it really becomes a burden on small business when they are taxed on the state taxes, and they have to pay that tax, even though they're just basically a pass-through for those taxes to the state government. So we have an introduction of a bill that's on swipe fees, really to exempt just those taxes that they're collecting from those credit card fees, because it's a pass-through, and we're doing a service on behalf of the state, so we don't think that it's a fair thing to do. We're also looking at a restaurant bill of rights for delivery. Now, delivery in and of itself is not a bad thing. It was a trend that was started pre-COVID. It accelerated huge growth in this area during the pandemic, and it really became a great way for an individual to support a restaurant by having that restaurant quality food delivered at home where they could still enjoy it and the restaurant still at the sales. However, we also know that there were some not all, but some delivery companies, would they would take an old menu and place it on their app and purport that they were representing that restaurant when there was no relationship there. There was no contract. They were just grabbing it. It was difficult to get these menus down. Sometimes it would be old pricing. Sometimes they would have things on those online menus in their third-party app of uh, food that the restaurant is no longer making, especially if it's a seasonal restaurant. You know, right now, butternut squash soup is one of my favorite things to get at a restaurant. Well, that's not necessarily available at most restaurants in the middle of April. It's a very seasonal thing, very fall thing. So what was happening is by having these delivery companies inserting themselves between the customer and restaurant relationship, 
it really was causing a lot of difficulties. And, and this is a national problem. This is nothing new to Wisconsin. We also know that delivery has been a very powerful way for restaurants to really help support their businesses. In fact, we know, at least in the state of Wisconsin, that carryout delivery was able to backfill about 30% of the lost indoor dining revenue and those sales. So it was uh, it didn't completely cover that loss, but it did help. But when it's done without a contractual relationship, that's what's problematic, and that's what we're really addressing. So delivery in and in of itself is a great way to support a restaurant, but only if, and, and I'm a little obnoxious with reporters, but I keep on telling them, say, you know, thank consumers for their support of restaurants. Thank them for continuing to dine out and do carry out. In delivery, customers need to either look on the website or contact the restaurant directly to find out how to get their food delivered. Because when you have a company coming in from the outside and inserting them in that relationship, and it really becomes problematic. And then when there's a problem, a lot of folks aren't blaming the third-party delivery company. They're blaming the restaurant, even though they have no control over that. So that's probably the next really big thing that we're tackling of course, we've got other things that we're monitoring, such as um, workforce development reforms, um, the regulation for home bakers. We've got lots of different things. The great thing for the Wisconsin Restaurant Association is we really work well with a lot of our partnership associations. And what I mean by that is we work with a lot of coalitions. So one, when we have an issue and the swipe fee is a great example, we're working with other small business groups in order to get this done. We're not going it alone. We feel that although we have a very strong voice, having the, that voice echoed with other likewise organizations really helps to strengthen our hands. So um, a great example of that during the pandemic, I was one of the co-chairs, one of four co-chairs for a coalition it's called, it's called, it was called uh, Stop the COVID Spread Coalition. And this was absolutely no government entity involved in this. It was all private associations and businesses gathering together to help encourage vaccines, the safety and the efficacy, but also that personal choice. And part of this coalition was the Hospital Association, the Medical Society, the Realtors Association, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, myself, Counties Association, League of Municipalities. So working together with a cohort of other associations that have similar goals has really been a very powerful way for us to influence, help tell the story of our restaurants, but not in a vacuum, but within the context of the larger economy and, and what's going on. You have a lot on your plate <laughs> right now. <laughs> So, Christine, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Is there anything else that you're doing in Wisconsin that you would love uh, our listeners to know about? So, we've got an amazing food culture here. Um, as I mentioned when we first began, we've got 75% independent restaurants. And we have a very unique, um, and it's called a supper club. That is something that is part of our culture and so on. And what's really cool to see is because of social media and groups that are forming and so on, there's now people that are hearing more about this, who are learning about it, who are moving to the area or like myself, I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm now coming back into relearning about this and what a supper club typically has been 
was a place for you to dress up a little bit. It's a little fancier. You have a relish tray, a salad bar. You go have a, and it's a, you know, it's an, and it's a sit down meal. And it's really become one of those kitschy things that people are embracing once again. And that growth is amazing. And for us specifically here in Wisconsin, we're known for brandy old fashions with either sweet or sour. And it has to be brandy. Yes, I know the rest of the world does uh, bourbon or whiskey or other things, but in Wisconsin, it's brandy. In fact, an interesting statistic is the Corbell Brandy Company in uh, California, more than half of their brandy that they produce ends up in the state of Wisconsin. So it's just a really unique cultural thing. And for those of us who grew up here, we remember going to them with kids and it's where you can get a great meal. A lot of times, um, especially on a Saturday night, prime rib, or you can get our bone in ribeye and it's just delicious food. And it's a cultural thing that's really unique to us. And what's really fun to see is the resurgence and repopular efforts to really revitalize these family owned businesses. And many of them are multiple generations at this time. Whether, you know, maybe grandpa and grandma started it and then their kids and now you've got grandkids that are taking over this business. So it's really become a very cool cultural thing that uh, is really unique to our area. And then, of course, the other thing that we're known for is Friday night fish fries. So, um, in fact, uh, we know there is a national brand Tupelo Honey that came to Milwaukee as a new uh, restaurant. And so when they opened um, or they were planning on their opening, they were noticing, well, what's up with Friday night fish fries? So they, they took it upon themselves and went all over the area to figure out what this is. And it's not something that's on their menu anywhere else. But in order to have business on a Friday night in Wisconsin, you better have a Friday night fish fry or your clientele will be a harm. So we've got some unique things that big picture, even without the pandemic, that we celebrate and we celebrate the diversity of food that we have here, but also a lot of these traditions. That's great. It sounds like things are on the upswing, um, and this has been really insightful. So thank you for your time today, Christine, and we wish you all the best in Wisconsin. Thank you very much for having me, Carly. Interested in learning more about the Economic Industry Disaster Loan Program, who's eligible, and how to apply? Be sure to check out our recent webinar, available on demand, titled More Flexibility and Funds, New SBA Loan Options for Restaurants and Small Businesses. Aaron Frazier and representatives from the Small Business Administration discuss everything you need to know about IDLE. Find that webinar at www.restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.